Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to Best of the Nest. I'm Marjorie Punnett with Elizabeth Reese. And this is Best of the Nest. Did I hear you say that? Yeah, you did, but that's oh the title, God. and it's important to just it's reiterate what the name of the podcast is. Over and over again. And the purpose of Best of the Nest is we love to talk about how to bring our best selves home. It's and a journey, we, guys. Yeah. We are on it. And this is why I have a little surprise for you, Elizabeth. Do you ever read Real Simple Magazine? Oh, I used to. Okay. I haven't read it in a while, though. This month in Real Simple, uh, the headline, Why You Should Treat Your Family Like Strangers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can yes. I read you just a little bit of it? I want to hear. Because everybody, this is what Best to the Nest is all about. So this is from Real Simple Magazine. You are the soul of forbearance with the prattling colleague in the next cubicle. You shined thousand-watt charm on the eye-rolling teen who bags your groceries. Then you arrive home. Your son has left the ketchup out again. Hellfire reigns upon him. It is a truth universally acknowledged. We are often most impatient, angriest, and least compassionate toward those we should be kindest to, our supposed loved ones. Partners, parents, sibs, kids, all can receive an outside outsized portion of our ire. We feel free to be ourselves around those we are closest to, says Joyce Martyr, a Chicago-based psychotherapist with refreshed mental health. But it's not good when we don't offer them basic kindness and respect. After all, snapping may be satisfying in the moment, but a pattern of it can corrode relationships, say experts. Well, duh, Hello. experts. Yeah, no kidding. And it rarely achieves much. Isn't that, I mean, this is, it's like a three-page article in Real Simple about how we should bring our best selves home. It's so true. It is so true. You can see this happening all over the place where, you know, at work, you'll occasionally have like a bad boss or a coworker who's just not great. I mean, that's set those people aside, right? Because they're sort of the outliers. Right. But in general, you have this fleet of people in your office. I mean, if you're listening to this at work, look around and you'll see that they're there. (laughs) They're there. And they're the nicest. They're happy. They're charming. This is why people are always so shocked when they're like, I had no idea that he was going to kill his entire family. He seems so pleasant. You may have taken this to the extreme. I know. I know, but but it is it is an example that we're we are just I mean for some and it's a survival thing I mean we're putting on a show right on the outside but what I think is more important is to just focus on what's going on on the inside instead of trying to be this like real person on the outside how about try to be better on the inside of your house and then watch the cup overflow to everywhere yeah, and else. that's exactly it and I, I keep going back to this really we need a psychotherapist to tell us but it's not good when we don't offer them meaning our family basic kindness and respect and it's that overflow idea because honestly if you start it there and the article goes on to say and this all seems like like so obvious but the article goes on to make this big point that if you're kind at home it becomes habit yeah and it does flow out into the world that it shouldn't be the reverse that you shouldn't give everything because then it's not real if it's not starting with your kids if it's not starting with your husband if it's not starting at home then what's the point yeah but anyway i just thought it was so 
funny. So the headline is, Why You Should Treat Your Family Like Strangers. It's in the February issue of Real Simple Magazine, and it goes on to Elizabeth. We are so on it. It goes into like five or six studies that all talk about this issue. So it's a very big deal. Best to the nest. That's what we're all about. But this morning, we are all about creating the playful family. I am so excited about this because we get to introduce you to one of my favorite, favorite, favorite authors. Her name is Meredith Sinclair. She's the author of the book, Well Played, The Ultimate Guide to Awakening Your Family's Playful Spirit. Uh, Meredith is also a Today Show parent. She's on the Today Show parenting team. She makes regular appearances on on the Today Show and a bunch of others. And you can find out everything you need to know about Meredith at MeredithPlays.com. But I want to say one more thing, Elizabeth. Meredith is one of those women, and I know you have these in your life, Elizabeth, who sort of has passed through my life. Oh, yeah. And it's one of my great regrets that I never got to know her really well. I know her through her book. That's how I know her most of all. And I just adore her. Welcome, Meredith Sinclair. Hi, Meredith. Hi, girls. I'm so happy to be with you today. We are happy that you are here with us. Set the scene. Where are you? What are you doing? What's Are you in jammies? Do you have slippers? Oh, girl, I love a podcast. It's <laughs> different than live TV. I am sitting on the couch in my fluffy robe that my kids bought me for Christmas, having my coffee in LA where the sun is coming through the window. I, I, uh, where the sun is coming through the window. Elizabeth, you need a little bit of that sunshine. We should set the stage of where we all are. I'm in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and Elizabeth, you're in St. Paul, Minnesota. I am, yeah, the coldest place on the earth. We have just um, come out oh. of the polar vortex. And by come out of the polar vortex, I mean, I think it's three degrees right now. <laughs> so everyone's rejoicing um, because it has been so cold. We've had record breaking cold temperatures. And, you know, we've been kind of joking around here that it's making families turn on each other. And oh, Meredith, no. you are, you know, so we'll talk about some of the tangibles of pro family, pro play, pro fun at your house. But Meredith, I want to tell tell you that the odds are stacked against you when it is, and I kid you not, 25 degrees below zero actual air temperature. School has been canceled for days and days in a row. The grocery stores are closed. You cannot go outside. It was like it's been a true test. I Everyone I see today is just sighing of going, okay, it's Friday. Okay, oh my gosh, because we've all been balancing. It's been grandparents stepping up, calling into work, saying I can't be here at this time, all of these different things for the last few days as we try to just like navigate this outside force. Yes, and you know what? Let me tell you up front, I gotta, I gotta confess this, which is I lived in Chicago for 20 years when my children were the littlest. Yeah. I, I raised one child from birth to graduating from high school in Chicago. So I feel you. I get you. I've only lived in LA for two years. I literally texted all of my Chicago friends last week and said, I am here if you need me and need to escape. Come to my house. (laughs) So I feel you. I know what that is like to be trapped inside um, in the freezing cold. So Yeah, it sort of tests you. And this is, I think, where we take the turn is when you're trapped inside with your family, that is the time, and I know it's hard for everybody, that you need to be your most playful. But it, it yeah. is not about sort of, I think, you know, today we're going to pull out this box and we're going to have fun. Damn it, we're going to have fun. <laughs> it's more about, and this is what I really love about you, Meredith, because I, I follow Meredith on Twitter and Instagram. And, and Elizabeth, we've actually known Meredith's husband for a long time. Your husband, John, used to be a guest on um, our radio show. Mm-hmm. We used to talk to him regularly. We loved talking to John. Yeah, he was always, <laughs> he was really fun. But what mm-hmm. I love about just seeing from afar is that with great intention you decided that you were going to play as a family and and I want to read a quick quote
quote, because I think this sets up, and I want to talk to you specifically about this quote, Meredith. So this is in Mm -hmm. Meredith's book. So I'm going to speak as Meredith. Um, This is in her book, Well Played. So you wrote in the book on page 52, while we are all born with the beautiful joy-producing talent of playfulness, like any other talent, you can appear to lose it if you don't use it. I slowly started losing my own wonderfully playful spirit after having my second child, becoming anxious and exhausted, focusing simply on keeping my life fully under control. That five-year span of my life nearly did me in. It wasn't only after consciously it was only after consciously shifting my parenting perspective from one of constant order, predictability and perfection to one of flexible structure, natural surprise and the beauty of perfection that I was able to relax into the joy of raising my kids and pursuing my own playful interest. Control is a major play killer. Meredith, talk about yes. where you were then. Yes. Okay. So that sums up completely where I was and why I felt like I needed to make a shift. So when I was young, you know, as most children, I was very playful. Play comes very naturally to kids. It's how they learn best. I come from an education background. So I was a teacher in the classroom. I saw it firsthand. And then when I had my own children, saw it firsthand um, how, how innate play and playfulness is. But what happened was with my first child, I got a little glimmer of a bit of anxiety that was starting to come out in me and which was really fueled by control and that was managing my environment I was like I got to keep this kid alive I got to do I want to do this really well I want to be the best parent I can be and with that mentality came pressure on myself anxiety and control and managing and what happened was with my second child it just compounded and sort of blew up on me. So what happened was then I was, they were four years apart. They are four years apart, two boys. And I noticed that my life turned into managing and controlling their happiness, their playfulness, their lives, and not really participating myself. And so I was sort of this outside force and not really enjoying it. And my anxiety was just compounding. So I knew I had to do something. I had to figure something out. And what the, the catalyst for change for me was that I went to, at the time I was this new blogger when blogging was just starting and I went to a blogging conference and I heard a speaker named Kevin Carroll who had written a book called The Rules of the Red Rubber Ball. And his hmm. book was all about taking play into the corporate world and for adults and shifting their perspective. And literally, I it was one of those true Oprah Winfrey aha moments yeah. where I sat in the audience and started to cry in front of all my friends <laughs> at the table. And, and, and the people were looking at me like, oh my gracious, what is happening to this woman next to me? And I just, it zinged me. I thought, that's what I'm missing. I have forgotten how to be playful in my own life and to have happiness in my own life. And that, that was a shift. So I came home. I literally started reading and researching every book I could find on play. And really, I, was, I, was <laughs> I finding... love that sentence. I love that sentence right there that you researched yeah. everything on play. I just love yeah, that. Yeah. I went, I went for it. I was like, okay, teach me everything. And I started to find these books mostly were written by uh, doctors and um, sci- psychologists. And, uh, and it was all about our brains on play, sort of how does that affect us emotionally and socially and mentally and physically. And then I just made this shift. And because I was blogging, I thought this, this is where I want, this is what I want to run into. And I started writing about it. I was a columnist for Chicago Parent for years and then started going on television and sort of promoting playfulness because what happened was I just 
shifted my perspective. And to your point, Marjorie, it wasn't like suddenly I came out in a clown costume every day with my kids and was like, let's go. You know, right. like I wasn't, right. it wasn't about that. It was about seeing my life in a different way and shifting little by little in my perspective. So and inviting playfulness back into my life for myself and for my family and for my children and participating. Because what I realized was there is a real connective, there's a connection that happens when you allow yourself to drop your ego at the door and jump into playfulness with your family. You connect in a way. There's a great quote that I love that I use all the time, which is you can discover more about a person in an hour of play than you can in a year of conversation. And that sort of guided me uh, through this whole thing. I thought, you know, I want to connect. What do we want as humans? We want to connect with our children, our spouses, our partners, ourselves, our own friends. So how did how did how did your husband how did John your husband respond to that? Because I mean this is sort of a it really was the sort of a sea change in the family. I know you were always such 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 an in- intent mother, but this is a different way to do it. It's not watching them play. It's as you say in the book, it's about you know if they're having a Nerf war, you're in it as opposed yeah. to like buying them you know buying them the toys. You're playing with those toys. You're on the trampoline with them. How did he how did he sort of adapt to that? And did he join? in in that? Was that his natural nature? Yeah. It's, what's funny about my husband is on the outside, when you first meet my husband, he's an, he's an introvert. I mean, he's naturally an introvert. I'm the extrovert of the family. And I think people think I'm the fun one and he's sort of the more quiet one. Right. But in truth, at home, he is incredibly playful and much more free than I was. I mean, he was much more freely playful with the kids. Right. But, you know, the difference is I was I was staying home at the time and working from home in the trenches. My husband was working very long hours. So yep. when he came home, he could be the fun one. And, I, and also that was I had a little resentment about that, too. Yeah. I was sort of like, wait a second. You know, I you do. I set up the stage and you get to come in and like be the fun one. Yeah, right. So it wasn't it wasn't a shift so much for him. And actually, I think him watching me purposely make this change really he was so appreciative and and happy for me because he saw that I wasn't really that happy and and he was seeing this shift coming for me that I was becoming a little less anxious and controlling and and um you know pressuring on myself and like doing it all so perfectly so he was he was great I mean he was great with it and for him, again, because at the time he was working in a job that just was so intense, you know, when he, when he came home and, and was with us on the weekends and in the evenings, I just think he was a really appreciative of the shift because it yeah. wasn't so, you know, so much pressure and so intense. So, yeah, so he, he was fine and jumped right in and, you know, loved it. Meredith, <laughs> I, think... I want to know, um, oh, sorry, Marjorie. No, you first. Go ahead. Um, about, because I'm in the trenches with the littles. I mean, I've got an 18-month-old yeah. and a four-year-old and um, my husband and I both have, you know, very demanding full-time jobs. And She's a busy girl. Yeah, I think a yeah. lot of us, though, I mean, there is this, uh, what, what you talked about of not enjoying it, that's like the biggest fear that I think I have and a lot of, you know, just a lot of my friends have where we're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, this is such a short time. And you see people at the grocery store, like I see older women at the grocery store and they'll come up to me and be like, yeah. enjoy every minute because it goes by so fast. And you're like, and I'm thinking like, 
You know, then I, know. I then a lot of us are going, well, now you've just put more pressure on us to enjoy what right. we're already trying to figure out. Because a lot yeah. of us are in this situation where we're feeling like I'm not there enough for my kids. I'm not there enough for my job. I'm certainly not there enough for my husband. I mean, that's like yeah. the, yes. that's the yeah. 100% what yeah. is yeah. like. talk about that another day. Yeah, what the yeah. ball drops. But what I, well, all I think then have this. We have this natural instinct when things feel like it's not great to try to like rein it in and control and get a grip on it even better. Because if we get a tight enough grip on it, it will all just fall into place (laughs) and then we'll find the enjoyment. So that's, I think, what our natural instinct Mm -hmm. is, which goes against what you're saying. So how do we take those first steps into reconciling the two? Okay, I think you're absolutely exactly right. Because when I do talks, I have moms come up to me all the time and say exactly that. And they're crying, I'm sure, because I could try talking about it. They're crying. they're crying and they're saying, I don't know. I have forgotten how to play too. And here's what I want to lead with. You're going to start this process off completely in a selfish mode. Okay. You're not thinking about, I want to make my, my children the most happy. And I want to have the, you know, I want to have this happy family so that they look back and have these great memories. I want you to come at it from a selfish point of view, which is I want to shift my own playful perspective so that I'm enjoying this more because when you're enjoying it more they're going to enjoy it more and it's not about creating this perfect playful you know bliss at home that's impossible and also I'm not saying that you're doing this 24 7 right this is a this is these are simple shifts uh, and I'm going to give you three great ideas that are so easy to start but it's uh, letting go of this control is the biggest part of it because as you know when you try too hard to make a perfect situation and then it doesn't go well you are like so much further down into the depression of like i just failed again yeah that 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 does not work so um here's what i'm going to say i i have tons of ideas in my book and everything in there when i was writing it i said everything has to be super super easy and super doable for people so the first thing is you need to and i know it is so hard with we are so so busy 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 and in our calendars and in our agendas with our kids i want to encourage you to leave what i say is leave space for spontaneity there you go we leave leave no space for spontaneous spontaneity spontaneous fun everything is just crammed in you know i've and i used to have my this i have this big wall calendar and it was just jammed there was no room for anything else so it seems counterintuitive but almost like purposefully leave some room in there for for some spontaneity and you can then you know there are all kinds of ideas of like having everybody write down you know or i know you have little ones but you know thinking of things that you would all that you never get around to doing or just let it be let that space sit for playfulness and i'm not also i am not an advocate of like you need to play with your children all the time like you need to entertain them because that i think is the fear too of like am i going to create these little monsters who need to be constantly entertained i can't i can't do it guess what in my line of work i have enough people that need to be entertained i can't entertain them no i'm a big proponent of self-led play for kids and I'm not, there's a balance for sure. But again, what I'm saying is when you see those playful moments, instead of just thinking, oh, good Lord, I've got to clean up all those Legos off the floor later and I've got to put that away and how I don't want it to get, you know, a lot of parents say to me, there's a fear. This is, this sounds so crazy to me sometimes when, but there's a fear that parents have of playfulness because it seems out of control. Yeah. And a mess. And and I'm going to step in again because 
I have a 27 and a 25 year old and I, I, I talked to them about this last night and we'll get to that in a minute, but mm-hmm. it's that control piece that for whatever reason, in, in one sense, I don't have, how do I say this? I don't have that gene in terms of controlling what my house looks like. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of women who worry so much about like, if the toys are all over the place, that's going to be a problem. That never really bothered me, which I'm, I'm grateful for now in retrospect. And there was something my older son used to do. And I would encourage like all the young moms out there to let that piece go a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was something that Gar used to do, and he's my older son, which is one of his fondest memories. And it was such a, a such a pain for the rest of us, but we lived in a three-story house. And he used to love to take string mm-hmm. from the third floor <laughs> and make these elaborate webs all the way down to the first floor. He's spider boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> honestly, we would have string, like these, like, it was almost like art installations. And it was kind yeah. of a pain navigating the staircase, I gotta tell you. But yeah. it brought him such joy and mm-hmm. we would leave that up like f- for weeks and yeah. it but that that for him was such a strong memory now I, i'll get to the punnet issues in a minute about play <laughs> but in that sense letting like letting go of you know the fort that they want to build and yeah. even though it's going to destroy your living room oh yeah um just let it go let yeah. that be their playfulness because they'll find and quite frankly when you just sort of step back on that some of the things mm-hmm. they create are hysterical and they're fun yeah. and, but you have to not want to get your house right back into order well and you, you have to leave go. time to do I it i mean meredith that's, that's the yeah, other thing that's is the like is the the overscheduled nature yeah. that we are i mean i have some friends who are probably listening and know who they are who um just <laughs> i mean i will be like what are you doing this weekend and it is like we have i one time my dear friend said she had five birthday parties to go to Oh, in no, the no, weekend. No, 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 no. And no, I am no, thinking, no, no. like, you know what ruins a birthday party experience? Having five of them. That's yeah. just yeah. ruined. Yeah. Yeah. No, and my husband used to say that our weekends, when our weekends started to look like another work day, yeah. two more work days, that's a problem. Like, oh, you know, he's a wise man. Yeah. So it is a conscious decision. And it, it's tough. It's tough. And you got to make some tough choices. But five, yeah, five. Then no one's having any fun. No. And yeah. there is no spontaneity. And there's no space. And there's no breathing room. And, you know, I was thinking when Marjorie, when you were talking it really quick about that whole leaving up the spider webs or leaving up, for my kids, it was the um, Hot Wheels tracks all the way yeah. down and everything. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, Elizabeth, when, when, when older, older women, I, I will say my, my children <laughs> are, you know, teenagers now and one in college. When they say to you, enjoy it because it goes so fast, that's, that's what they mean. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't mean, yeah, you know, we all know there's, there are the moments where you're like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, um, like miss this. There are moments like that, yeah. but what they mean is those times, those like, oh, that, that you're going to miss those spider webs or those spider man webs down your yeah. staircase. That's <laughs> yeah. what they mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it's just in those hearing that. Yeah. When you're already feeling like I'm rushing from one thing yeah. to the other is just can feel like an added like, yeah. oh, gosh, now I've got another thing that I have to be better right. at, which is I'm enjoying it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm failing at actually enjoying, enjoying <laughs> what I work right. so hard. And I think a lot of people, too, uh, you know, particularly friends of mine who have struggled with fertility, it's like they end up with these babies and then it's all they ever wanted. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, what am I yeah. doing? What- well, here's here's what I love. We're through the first thing which was spontaneity. Mm-hmm, and right. I just love that this is, but you can see how much to the core this affects all of us. So you've mm-hmm. got to, okay, so that first thing is that you've got yes. to leave space, leave space right. for something magical to happen. Exactly. Don't overschedule. Don't overschedule. Yes. Okay, so what's yes. two? 
Okay, two is what I like to call, okay, so my husband's in television, so I, I say you got to pre-produce the play a little bit. Uh, so it goes, it sounds counterintuitive to leave space for spontaneity, but it's really not. So you're going to look and make a shift, and it could be one thing in your week where you add a little pop of purposeful playfulness into something that is an everyday thing. Ooh, okay. Okay, so like, for example, some of the ideas would be, I used to spend a ton of time behind my, my kitchen island making snacks, making lunches, making dinner. Like, that's where we all hung out. Yeah, and everybody it's always saying. wants a snack all the time. Yeah, always. <laughs> I mean, how many it's snacks can you people eat? Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, so, uh, I'm hearing a little of the tension there, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> how many snacks, people? This is the polar, polar vortex speaking. I just want it to yes. be clear again. <laughs> the space I'm that I'm coming you. from, it's a dark, cold space. <laughs> I know. So just bear um, with me. Thank you, Meredith. Okay. I'm normally, like, I'm normally at a 7 out of 10 in positivity. The polar <laughs> Vortex has brought me down to maybe like a 4.8, so that's where I'm at. So this it's is the okay. perfect conversation. Out. You're climbing out. We're always <laughs> climbing out of it. I get it. Um, so like in that kitchen island, I had a drawer. And so what I did is I would put in there when my kids were little, like riddle books or like little things of Play-Doh or silly string or something. So as I'm, you know, someone's grumpy because our kids, like kids, hangriness in kids is like oh, another level, yeah, right? yeah. So, you know, right. So I would, during that time, I would, you know, I'd pull out the riddle book or a joke book or so we're in this moment that is our everyday moment. And how can you infuse with a little pop of love that. Or you have this stack of socks. I'm looking at one right now, actually. I'm not, no joke, in my living room that I've not folded for like three days. So I have this stack of socks that are everywhere all the time, right? So during that time, make them into little sock snowballs have a little sock snowball battle like in your living room and then put them away like make just it's these little shifts if you could do one a week where you just pop you know some playfulness into something that's unexpected and I will tell you and I write about this in my book and it's true every single time when you do something like that with your kids that they do not expect because what they're expecting is that we're going to manage the day yeah right And when you pop something like that in front of it because you show them I say they look at you like, hey, oh my gosh, you're one of us. You know how to play too. Yeah, and you're fun. Connection. Yeah. You're fun. <laughs> like, I, I used to say to my kids, you don't know how fun I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm like fun. Me. I'm fun, people. <laughs> I'm like, people invite me to their parties on purpose because I'm a fun person, okay? Like, yeah, I mean, and, like, and Meredith, you know, you're kind of screwing up if you're having to tell them or yes. screaming it at them that yes. I'm fun. Believe me, I'm fun, and I, I was so fun. I was even more fun before like, you were here. Before you were here, I was unbelievably I was so fun. fun. Yes. So what I yeah, think is bad. like, let your guard down. Let your guard down. There's no ego. There cannot be any ego in playfulness. Yeah. You gotta check that at the door and get a little silly now and again with them. I'm telling you, their eyes will light up. And everyone takes a deep breath and everyone has a laugh and you move on. Yeah, And one of the things, Meredith, one of the things you mentioned in your book, and this is actually something I did with my kids when they were little, little, is a dance party. And, you know, our big thing thing was Janet Jackson. And I think it was like, I can remember that so vividly that if they had extra energy and I, you know, I I was always tired. I mean, I look back at the time (laughs) of raising my children and Mm -hmm. the it's sadly, the first word that always pops into my head is fatigue. Yeah. I was just yeah. always tired. And so it was always about how do I get them to burn as much energy 
as I can, so they'll just go to bed. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and we would do little dance parties, and it's such a fond memory of them just sort of in their footy pajamas, sort of slipping about yeah. dancing. Oh, gosh. And and that's I think th- it's that simple. So when you talk about just a pop of playfulness, it's mm-hmm. just have a little playlist. What's the song that brings you joy that you yeah. want to share with them? Exactly. And it's funny. To, it's funny to me now that both of my kids you know, still remember Hootie and the Blowfish, you know, yes. <laughs> because that's of their era. That's of their era, you know, and I think the, so it's those, again, it's not about big planning or no. sort of making, you know, it's just, it's that pop. I love the word pop because that's the key. So yeah. what's the it's thing? It's just a little setup okay. for success. That's great. Yeah. yeah. This is the perfect lead into my last one because you're, you segued it beautifully. Oh, good. Which is be a player yourself. Yeah. Be the player. We know, and it's hard. I mean, as a teacher, you know, in my teacher education, they were always like, you're the model for the students. And as a parent, you're the model, which is like, thanks. Sometimes I don't want to be the model. Like, it's a lot of pressure to be like the role model all the time. But in this case, it's beautiful. If you're, when your children, as they, you know, as they grow up, and now my teenagers are not even surprised when I'm playful. Like, that's what they expect from me now. Because I... I was the player. I decided I was going to be the player. I was going to show them, even without them. So show them, pick the things. In my book, I, I very purposely in my book didn't just want to write a what the one of the publishers said, we just want you to write a parenting book. And I was like, Ugh. yeah, that's great. But yeah. I also want to talk about play with your, how you play with your mate, how you play with your own friends, how you play for yourself. And this one is the, to me, it's almost the most important one, I think, is that you have to start with yourself. So you have to go and show them, hey, you know, guys, I'm going to do this fun thing that I love to do that's playful for me, that awakens my own playful spirit for myself, because then they see, oh, this is valuable. And, you know, I don't, we don't have time to go into all the benefits of play, like socially, emotionally, mentally, physically, but they're there. And if you're, if, you know, your listeners want to learn more, there are lots of books on like the true benefits of play as for us as human beings, there are vast. And it is a valuable thing. And my the other quote that I love that I have to throw in there is an Emerson quote, which is, it is a happy talent to know how to play. Yes. It is, you know, and as, like I said, as children, we know it. It comes naturally. As adults, we, we grow out of it because we get more and more responsible. And we get, we're the ones that have to be in control and lead the way. It's, it's a very valuable thing to have in our lives, our whole lives. So be the player. Do it. And, and you know. The key Model word that. here, yeah, the key word is modeling that. And yeah. that brings me to something that I, I was writing, I was sort of writing notes to myself about when I was really thinking about our my own family. And my sons are 27 and 25, so, you know, but, you know, they'll always be my sons, they'll always be my boys. And mm-hmm. I actually went and I talked to them last night, like I said, and I said, you know, would you guys consider us a playful family? And Elizabeth knows my older son uh, better than she knows my younger one. But so Gar says to me, uh, he looks at me and goes, "Um, well, we were loose. (laughs) Um, We we were comedic. That's totally true. You know, so we laughed a lot. He goes, "Mm, no, playful. Because what he was getting at, and this is true, we're a family that works all the time. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's what we did, you know, because yeah. we, my husband and I were, were doing a radio show at the time for most of their young lives. We were mm-hmm. always sort of show prepping and we would play games. And this was the funniest thing. So we talked about, so our family no longer plays Scrabble. That didn't yeah. go well <laughs> didn't for us. Too much. <laughs> okay. Be- I can imagine. We, oh, see Elizabeth knows. <laughs> so we're very competitive and we're very intense. And it would go quickly from, you know, just yeah. playing to like arguments about about words that we would put <laughs> yeah, down. That's and not just, really a word. Or, uh, yeah, it right. just didn't. And there were thrown tiles at one point, and I may have been the person that threw the tiles, <laughs> but it just oh, didn't. God. It just didn't go well. And I mean, we're a very loving family. We still spend, you know, we love being together. But I wouldn't describe us as playful. And I have yeah. to tell, you know, I, anybody who gets to the other end of child rearing, you know, if you get there without regret, you know, good for you. And I love my sons, and they're wonderful. But I have regret about that one piece. And Meredith, it's why I love your book so much, because this is the key. This is so important, and it's so important for the moms to hear, be a player. Be playful for yourself Yourself, more than anything else, and it'll model the most beautiful thing. Because what you don't want to model is that you're the family that knows how to manage a day. Right. Could that sound more awful? Yeah, that that's in the end that you're the family that manages your day really well, and you're buttoned up, and you got all your work done, and good for you. That just doesn't sound like the key to success for me. Yeah. Well, it's just you know the the joy piece of that is just it's hard to find when you're just managing and getting through it. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's tough. And I, there are absolutely, the other thing is though, is that to what Elizabeth said is, is I don't, what I didn't want to do with this book was to put another thing on your plate. Yeah. Oh, I got to be a good player. I got to be playful now. Oh my God. <laughs> Great. Like, and I have to know, enjoy it all. Yeah. That is, that's not it. And, and it really is a, a slow shift. When we just start to think about it in our day, when we just are more conscious of it, it begins to happen slowly. It's not another thing on your plate. It's not a pressure. It's something to just shift easily into. And then it becomes natural, you more know, natural. One thing that um, that has really helped me, I remember having a pivotal moment when my daughter turned about 18 months. I love to garden. So Marjorie knows this about me, Meredith, mm-hmm. but I, mm-hmm. I garden. I have chickens in my backyard. I like oh. love all of these things. This is very important to me. It's like getting out there in the garden. I try to, in the summer, at least 15 minutes every morning before I go to work, I try to get out there and pull weeds, and which doesn't sound relaxing to a lot of people, but to me, it's like my total Zen mm-hmm. meditation. And I remember the first year after I had Bernie was the first year that I didn't have a garden since mm-hmm. I could remember because yeah, she was born in January. Mm-hmm. And then by the time it was like time to plant, I was just going back to work. And I just was like, there's no way I can't even get out there for one morning to be able Mm -hmm. to like plant this garden. And I would look out the back window every day of my little house and be like, and I remember thinking maybe the old me is gone. I mean, I don't even know if the old me is going to come back. It was so sad. It was so sad. Because the old you was fabulous. Yes. But garden is your was your playground it totally that was garden was your playground and that is where so when the next summer my husband built me brand new raised beds he said like we're gonna get out there and you're we're gonna what do you want this garden to look like and it gotten oh. so overgrown it was a disaster it needed to be it was the old owner with had these 
you know, wooden dividers and it was weedy and whatever. He ripped it all out for me, built these beautiful raised beds and we planted. And Bernie was 18 months then that next summer. Mm -hmm. And she was out there with me every single day. And the greatest joy of hers Mm -hmm. was this was picking tomatoes, picking tomatoes and picking everything and eat them. She will stand out there. She comes, she would come home from daycare and go, tomato, 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 tomato. And we would go outside and she would stand out there and just eat tomatoes. And she just loved it so much. And I thought, okay, so when, when it comes back to that core of what you were saying, Meredith, about being, being a little selfish and thinking, mm-hmm. how can I enjoy this more? I really learned then that my kids will like the things that I find joy in. I mean, yeah. I don't know if she's going to want to be a master gardener, but she will, if I'm finding joy in things, she will automatically right. emulate that and enjoy it. And then I, that was the pivotal moment of like, oh my gosh, I can be the old me just yeah, with still. a little fun tomato then, eating accessory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then even still, I mean, think about it from this point is, how she is looking at you, mm-hmm. how she's looking yeah. at you, her memories of her mom, her memories of her childhood are going to be that joyous mother out in the garden. In the garden. Yeah, right. you're you know, absolutely right. Even just things, this spring, she said, yep. what are we, can we grow cucamelons again this year? I mean, oh. that's what she's asking about. And I will tell you, it's been so interesting. So Meredith, I, I produce television here in Phoenix and I mostly do food TV. And so I'm interviewing chefs all the time and it's been, and it, this should be a revelation to me, but it's so cool. So when I talk to them, you know, where did the love of food come from? Where does that passion come from? Because if you're going to be a chef, you better love food. And mm-hmm. it's so cool to see how many of, and so far it's been mostly men. I think I've only interviewed one or two female chefs, but so many times it goes back to their mothers or their grandmothers mm-hmm. and the joy yeah. and the passion that their mothers or their grandmothers had for cooking that wow. was passed along to them. And I just, so I, it's again, it goes back to what you said is be a player and and, yeah. the, and the things that you're modeling for your kids are so invaluable. Right. Yeah, and we, we model hard work. We model work ethic. We model good behavior. We model character. We need to model joy and playfulness yeah. as well. Because I was thinking, Elizabeth, when you were talking about your daughter seeing you and watching you. Now, gardening might not be her thing later, but what will be her thing is allowing herself to find joy and be playful in the things she loves. Yeah, That's the biggest overarching the arching like thing that you're showing her is like look i'm taking time to do something that brings me great joy oh meredith you're so fun this has been great you yeah. are fun you know those people who invite you to parties they're right right they are <laughs> this is why again this is meredith sinclair and i love 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 her book well played the ultimate guide to awakening your family's playful spirit and i will tell you if you know women who are having babies if you know families that are having babies this is a great, great gift because it, this is the book I wish I had had when my kids were little because it would have changed so many things, so many things because I think this is so important. So thank you, Meredith Sinclair. Thanks, oh, Meredith. I so appreciate that. And it was such a joy talking to you guys today. All right. Take I care. I think you'll be talking to us again. Yes. Oh, great. Promise okay. us you'll come back. <laughs> All right. Take care, girl. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, you too. Meredith. Oh, goodness. What a joy. Good find, yeah. Marjorie. She's she's just lovely. And I, I just, if you have a chance to, you know, you can see her on the Today Show. She does all sorts of little appearances for them and for lots of other, um, you know, TV outlets. But she she's living it. She really did. Her kids are, I think her second one is just going off to college. But she lived, she, she practiced what she preaches. And I love that about her. Yeah. And I think she acknowledges 
the hard stuff at the beginning that can make that kind of feeling of play feel a little overwhelming. Right. And I like how it was just little tiny things. Little, little tiny things. And the book is full of them. But I, I just, I, you know, I, I'll be thinking about Bernie all day today. Mado. 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 Well, thank you, everybody. <laughs> we hope you had a great time. Thanks for listening. We love you all. And um, more best to the nest to come. Right, Marjorie? Absolutely. Bye.